The rest of you, glad to have you here. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for braving the cold and getting here this morning. Just happy to be with you here on this last Sunday of 2015. So as I was thinking about, you know, how to kind of wrap up the year and kind of push forward into next year, the topic of forgiveness came to mind. I had been having some good conversations with people about forgiveness recently. God's been teaching me some stuff on forgiveness as well and just excited to share it with you all. Uh, in 2015, I forgave. And in 2015, I needed to seek forgiveness. And in 2016, I will need to forgive. In 2016, I will need to seek forgiveness. Uh, very possibly, we will have some interactions amongst us, you know, as we live together and journey through life together, there is that, that need. You know, as we're close with each other and living life together, we hurt each other, even though we don't intend to, and we need to seek forgiveness. So whether you're needing to seek forgiveness or having trouble forgiving or just bracing for the inevitable, like myself, we're going to look at biblical forgiveness this morning which as I've just continued to look at it, I've found it to be absolutely beautiful forgiveness. You've got a page in your notes and your bulletin that you're welcome to pull out and kind of just jot some things down. I've got some different things that we're going to look at this morning. But we're going to start out just by looking at what forgiveness is. What forgiveness is. My kids, we've taught them that when they wrong each other, uh, which happens daily because they are 6, 4, and 2, they know that they're supposed to say, I'm sorry for blank, you know, whatever it is. I'm sorry for lying. I'm sorry for hitting you. I'm sorry for pulling your hair. I'm sorry for pushing you off the bed. Uh, Whatever it may be, I'm sorry for blank. Can you please forgive me? And so it's great, like, that they say that, but it, it sometimes has become routine. So Christmas Eve, I was sitting with my boys. I was putting them down to bed. And I was talking with them about how wonderful Christmas is and how I told the story of Christ and what he did and how he came to save us and and set us free from this debt that we owe and just reminding them of how he substituted himself for us and talked about how now because of that we are free. And then after that I was like, well, I'm going to toss out this question. I asked them, What does it mean to forgive? I said, you know how you say, I'm sorry for this. Can you please forgive me? What does forgiveness mean? And my six-year-old said, I I just have no clue. I'm like, okay, I need to work on that a little bit. And uh, my four-year-old, using the test to take the test, he goes, to be free? You know, like I'm tying in what I was just talking about. And I was like, actually, that's, that's a really good answer, to be free, giving forgiveness. But let's take a look at how. Christians have a hard time with forgiveness. They really do. And we're going to look at that in a little bit. The dictionary says, good old Noah Webster, says that forgiveness is to give up resentment of or claim to requital for, so forgive an insult, to grant relief from payment, so forgiving a debt, or to cease to feel resentment against an offender. A secular psychologist, I read this absolutely incredible article by a secular psychologist about forgiveness. And it was really good and really telling to see how someone without 
Christ looks at forgiveness. And what she said is she said, forgiveness is a shift in thinking towards someone who has wronged you, such that your desire to harm that person has decreased, and your desire to do him good or to benefit your relationship has increased. Forgiveness, at a minimum, is a decision to let go of the desire for revenge and ill will toward the person who wronged you. And though those definitions are good, this morning we're going to look at a biblical definition of forgiveness. So take out your Bibles and open up to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. There's a Bible hopefully close to you, within reach, if you didn't bring one today. If you don't own a Bible, please feel free to take that one home. That is our gift to you. Uh, We want you to have God's Word in hand. But looking at forgiveness, we are going to look at Psalm 103. Starting in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And here it is. Here's the biblical definition of forgiveness. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So the biblical definition of forgiveness is disconnecting a person from their sin. Disconnecting a person from their sin. You are free, as my son Gabriel said, you're free, but from what? From being tied to your sin. You're getting another chance. So when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. But rather, he sees one who is clean and who is whole. So that's what forgiveness is. But I think that the reason some Christians have a hard time with forgiveness, and I have definitely fallen in this camp myself, is that they attach other biblical concepts to forgiveness. So what will help round out a correct biblical view of what forgiveness is, would be looking at what forgiveness is is not. So in the same way that it's, it's worthwhile to look at what it is, we're going to look also at what forgiveness is not, because Christians love to attach other things to forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. 
It's not enabling, excusing, or validating sin. This isn't saying that sin is okay. I forgive you. Oh, what you did, that's totally okay. No, absolutely not. It's not removing consequences. That's mercy or pardoning. And yes, mercy and pardoning definitely happen sometimes in conjunction with forgiveness, but those are two separate things. And so just because you are asked to forgive, you should not feel an expectation to also extend mercy or to pardon. One of the best biblical examples I think we have is David. King David, when he sins with Bathsheba, God is ready to forgive, but does not remove the consequences associated with David's sin. Uriah dies, and then the son that is ill-conceived also dies. And so here we have forgiveness, but still the consequences of sin remain. And so forgiveness is not enabling, excusing, or validating sin, saying that it's okay. Ah, that's fine. No, absolutely not. But oftentimes Christians connect the two. Oh, well, you've forgiven me, so I shouldn't have this punishment anymore, so I shouldn't have this consequence. No, absolutely not. Second, forgiveness is not forgetting. We like to put those two words together, right? Forgive and forget. If you haven't forgotten, then you really haven't forgiven me. No. How can you forget things like rape, adultery, murder, betrayal, abuse, abandonment, etc., etc., etc.? You can't. And a lot of people toss in this verse that we just read. As far as the East is from the West. Like God's supposed to forget our sin. But that verse is talking about distancing us from our sin. It's not talking about forgetting. Our God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. That's a God that doesn't forget. He can't forget. It's not like he's sitting in in heaven. Oh, what what just happened? Oh, man, I, I totally forgot. No, that's not our God. Our God doesn't forget. Some people like to toss out these verses, Jeremiah 31.34 or Isaiah 43.25. Jeremiah 31.34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Isaiah 43.25 says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Well, okay, but right there it says that God's not going to remember those sins. Well, the Hebrew word used there is the word zakir. The, the word for remember is the word zakir. And zakir is really getting at recalling or naming or mentioning or bringing back to light. So when it says, I will remember your sins no more, God is saying, I'm not going to bring this back up. I'm not going to recall this and bring this back to haunt you. It's like what we're told in 1 Corinthians 13 with love, where love doesn't hang on to the past. It doesn't hang on to these past sins. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. And so God is not there keeping this tally in this record and saying, well, 
you know, yes, I've forgiven you, but, you know, I'm going to bring this back up time and time again. That's, what, that's what's being talked about when he says, I will remember your sins no more. Look, when I've forgiven you, I've forgiven you. And it's time to move on. Our sin is disconnected from us. But it's not like it's forgotten. So, if you're having trouble forgiving because you're having trouble forgetting, know that the two are disconnected. One is not the other. Forgiveness is also not waiting for an apology. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So, your forgiveness should be extended regardless of whether there's an apology that comes or not. Because for some, you will be sitting there waiting for an eternity for an apology. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to forgive them until they say sorry. You're going to be waiting a really long time. And God demonstrated this. Right? Romans 5.8. He demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still living in our sin, while we were still saying, God, I don't care. God, I'm going to live my own way. God, I don't want to hear what you have to say. He died for us. He forgave. And so we should extend the same. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Two more. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Often sin is closely tied to breaking trust. So sometimes people expect that when you say you forgive them, you automatically trust them again which is absolutely foolish. One of my sons is having a problem with lying. And this is a very simple example, and there are obviously much more difficult examples related to this. But just to to give you an idea, my son has a problem with lying. This is an ongoing thing. This is something that we're working on. And he knows, Dad, I'm sorry for lying to you. Can you please forgive me? And I'm ready to extend that forgiveness. But that doesn't mean that he's earned back my trust. In fact, I would be foolish as a dad the next time he starts speaking to automatically trust everything that's coming out of his mouth. But rather as a father, I need to teach him, I need to train him up in how to earn back trust and how to speak the truth and to really challenge him on what he's saying, to make sure that he's learning how to speak truthfully. And so if I just continue to, oh, I forgive you, and we're all good, and we're going to pretend like that never happened, and I'm going to totally trust you the next time you say something, I'm doing him a disservice. I'm not doing that right as a parent. And so forgiveness is not reconciliation. And, frankly, sometimes it would actually be unwise to reconcile, depending on the type of sin, depending on the hurt that is associated. It would be unwise to reconcile with someone because of the potential danger, because of the broken trust. So forgiveness is not reconciliation. Finally, forgiveness is not a one-time event. And this is not an exhaustive list. 
But forgiveness is not a one-time event. How many times must I forgive? Seven times? What does Jesus say? No. How many? Seventy times seven or seventy-seven times. So whether you're looking at it as seventy-seven times or four hundred and ninety times, either way, he, Jesus isn't going after a specific number, right? But rather he's saying, no, you continue to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. Right? I, I would have run out already with my kids, right? If you have kids, you're forgiving them a lot. Because they're learning and they're growing and they're growing up. And they're going to meet different challenges. Does God's forgiveness ever run out for us? No. So neither should our forgiveness run out for others. And because forgiving is not forgetting, there may be times where you have to forgive the same offense more than once as it's brought back to mind. You might extend forgiveness to the person that wronged you, but then see that same person again or, or be in an environment where you're brought back to that sin, to that pain. And you'll need to go, no, okay, I need to re-extend forgiveness. I need to forgive again. And that happens. So forgiveness is not a one-time event. So with this all in mind, looking at what forgiveness is and looking at what forgiveness is not, I just wanted to take the rest of our time and look at this question, how do I forgive? How do I disconnect the person from the sin? Well, first of all, forgive as the Lord forgave you, right? I gave you a blank to fill in right there, and hopefully it was an easy one. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is very biblical. Uh, Colossians 3.13 says, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So forgive as God has forgiven you. Well, that begs the question, how does God forgive us? Well, we just spent a few months going through the book of Judges. How does God forgive in the book of Judges? But we see this cycle over and over of Israel rejoicing, loving God, following after him, but then they screw up. They mess up. They walk away from him. They start worshiping other idols. They start doing things that are contrary to his will. And so he punishes them and, uh, and allows them to be taken over by a different uh, nation. And then he sends in a judge to rescue them as they're crying out and saying, Lord, we're sorry. Please forgive us. Please bring us back. And God extends that forgiveness. And there's peace again in the land. But then the cycle happens again and again and again. And they continue sinning, and they continue coming back and continue seeking forgiveness. Does God ever run out? Does God ever give up on them? Absolutely not. How does God forgive? He is infinitely patient. He is infinitely ready to forgive. 1 John 1.9 
says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And the passage that we just read, Psalm 103, verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all your iniquity. How does God forgive? He is infinitely patient. He is infinitely ready to forgive. And in speaking on forgiveness, how can we look anywhere else but the cross? When he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's up there in agony. He's up there in pain. He's up there feeling absolutely abandoned and is ready to forgive. And what He did on the cross for us enables God to not see our sin. Now this is available to all, but it must be received. It must be something that we receive. So forgive as the Lord forgave you. The other thing that I've been learning is how you forgive reflects how you understand forgiveness. How you forgive reflects how you understand forgiveness. See, we all, we all need forgiveness. Uh, Matthew 7.12 says, Well, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Right? The golden rule. Uh, There's this great quote by Thomas Fuller. He says, He that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he must pass himself. For every man has need to be forgiven. So every single one of us needs to be forgiven and has been forgiven. So that in and of itself should be enough for us to turn around and forgive others. But, flip over with me to Matthew 18. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. Matthew 18. Starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Many of you have heard this multiple times. I grew up hearing this in church. And uh, frankly, as I'm reading it, I, I kind of feel like the unmerciful servant kind of gets a bum rap. Right? He's one of those people that as we, as we read Scripture, we're like, that guy, he's just awful. Like, why would he do that? Like, what a jerk, you know? And we kind of look at him with this negative light. But, but if you step back and kind of think about it, like, you just don't know what's going on with the guy. You just don't. I mean, maybe, like, like clearly he owes the king, like, a ton of money, right? And yes, he's forgiven of that, but... Maybe he owes the king so much money because he's been so down and out. Because like he hasn't been able to make ends meet. Because it's been so difficult for him financially. And so a couple hundred denarii or whatever that other guy owes him is a big deal to him. And that's what's going to make ends meet for the rest of the month. Or that's what his family needs to, to eat. Or whatever it is. And, and, and whatever it may be, he needs it so bad and he desires it so much that he goes and takes this other guy and throws him in jail until he gets what he needs. So, who knows what his motivation is. But I think we'd be remiss to just stare and point the finger and say, well, shame on him. When it could very well happen that you or I would be in a similar scenario. Maybe it's not with finances. Maybe it's with something else. Maybe it's with some wrong that someone's done to us that we just go, man, I cannot forgive that. I cannot. There's just no way. But the real issue that's going on with this unmerciful servant is his lack of understanding what he had been forgiven from. He didn't grasp the gravity of the forgiveness that had been extended to him. And so because of that, he didn't extend forgiveness to his fellow man. And I think that's what we need to glean from here, is realizing that sometimes when we have trouble forgiving, it very well may be because we're not grasping what our God has forgiven us from. We're not really owning the gravity of the forgiveness that has been extended to us. I had a hard time with this last verse growing up. 
so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I was terrified about the, the forgiveness offered to me. Was, was, was God's forgiveness offered conditionally? Like, okay, Ben, I, I'm going to forgive you, but only if you go and forgive others. And, and, and if you don't forgive somebody else, well, there, there goes your forgiveness. Sorry, Ben. But like, you, you'd better be really good at forgiving others, otherwise, like, I'm not going to forgive you. I was worried that I would lose God's forgiveness if I didn't forgive someone else. But it took some time to realize that I was misunderstanding a couple of things. First of all, I was misunderstanding what forgiveness truly was and wasn't. But also I was misunderstanding that God's forgiveness was conditionally based on my willingness to forgive. It's not. But rather, my willingness or unwillingness to forgive shows whether I've truly accepted the forgiveness that was offered to me in the first place. Let me say that again. My willingness or unwillingness to forgive shows whether I've truly accepted the forgiveness that was offered to me in the first place. Do I really get how much God has forgiven me? Do I really get how huge that is? And if I can understand how huge it is that God has forgiven me, how could I do anything but turn around and forgive somebody else? Many of you are familiar with the story of Corey Ten Boom, who was in Nazi Germany and was aiding Jews and was discovered and thrown into a concentration camp. She tells this story. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat, clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. My sister Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among the thousands of women? But I remembered him. And the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein. Again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven, and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? 
It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition. That we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And I wish I could say that having thus learned to forgive in this hardest of situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on. But they didn't. If there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh from God each day. Maybe I'm glad it's that way. For every time I go to Him, He teaches me something else. I recall the time some 15 years ago when some Christian friends whom I loved and trusted did something which hurt me. You would have thought that having forgiven the Nazi guard, this would have been child's play. It wasn't. For weeks, I seethed inside. But at last, I asked God again to work His miracle in me. And again, it happened. First, the cold-blooded decision. Then the flood of joy and peace. I had forgiven my friends. I was restored to my Father. I just think that's so beautiful. That someone who had to forgive the unthinkable and did so continued to struggle with forgiveness. So you know what? Maybe you're sitting in here today and you struggle with forgiveness. You're in good company. You are. I struggle with it. I struggle with disconnecting the person from their sin. I struggle with looking at someone and not just automatically thinking of the sin and saying, this is who you are. Looking at my son and looking at him and going, liar. But that's not how God looks at us. Should I hold over my son something that God isn't? Absolutely not. Forgiveness is not something that gets easier over time. We may need to forgive the same person over and over and over. But the more we understand what God has done for us, 
The more we seek His help in forgiving, the more we will be able to forgive. See, God has called us to forgive, to be obedient, because He has forgiven us so much more. So much more. God, I am truly humbled. And just in awe of the fact that you would forgive me. You forgive me. When you look at me, you don't see my sin. When you look at me, you don't view me as a liar. You don't view me as, as someone who cheats, as someone who steals, as someone who hates. But God, you view me as white and clean. God, you continue to extend new chances, new opportunities for me to do what you have called me to do. So God, how can I do anything but offer forgiveness to others? How can I do anything but show them the same forgiveness that you've offered me? Because God, you have delivered me from hell. You have delivered me from the death that I so deserve. You have allowed me to have a relationship with you. One that on my own, I would never be able to have. And so for that, I can do nothing but say thank you. And I need to turn around and forgive. Please help me with that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. On the back of your paper has a couple of questions, but it's mostly blank. And so over the next couple of songs, what I encourage you to do is to use the space to reflect on God's forgiveness for you. Maybe you've been harboring anger towards somebody else. Maybe you haven't forgiven someone. Now it could be that you just had a wrong idea of what forgiveness really is. But it could be that you have yet to look at forgiving that person in light of the forgiveness that's been given to you. So who do you need to forgive? Or who do you need to seek forgiveness from? Maybe all you need to do is write down a name and pray over your next conversation with that person. Or pray over your inability to forgive that person. Maybe you need to write down a prayer to God to thank Him for how He's forgiven you. To remind yourself of the great amount of forgiveness that He's offered.